Welcome to the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. Your hosts are Annika Melchert and Nora Hocker. Join them as they talk to hand-picked fintech experts about the future of banking. Hello and welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. As always, with me, Nora, and my wonderful co-host, Annika. Today's episode will be about a topic that I personally am very passionate about, data. We'll look into one of the hottest data platform solutions out there and talk about how financial services companies best leverage their data now and in the future. If you've ever worked in the field of data, chances are high that at some point you've stumbled across Snowflake already. And even if you haven't, I say it's time now. We're super happy to introduce you to today's guest, live from Madrid, Antonio Martinez. Welcome, Antonio. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Hi, Antonio. Nice to meet you and greetings from Doha today. <laughs> Same here. It's a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Thank you so much for inviting us. So for our listeners who have not met Antonio yet, Antonio is the field CTO for financial services at Snowflake. So he's basically the one supporting business and technology customers across the financial services industry. What does it mean in daily life for him? In his role, he provides technical engineering expertise and solutions that enable customers with their data and cloud transition strategies. So basically, he's the one helping them to modernize legacy architectures for business performance and scalability. So I'm really excited to hear about the customer stories you brought with you, but also to learn a little bit more about the technology behind Snowflake, since it's basically one of the big things every architect and also every consultant can't come around these days. Are you ready for our questions? I hope so. As ready as I'll ever be. Let's go ahead. <laughs> Great to hear. So let's get going. Let's start with an easy one. At least I hope so. Antonio, how would you explain the Snowflake platform in simple, non-technical terms? Snowflake is ultimately about data and about users and about governance, which is critical in a regulated industry like ours. So from the data perspective, users typically struggle with what we call the data silo problem which ultimately is the sad reality that the systems that have done such a good job over the last few decades of creating and transmitting and storing data have ultimately ended up acting more like prisons or, as we call them, silos of that very same data. And they're not really helping financial services get the agility and the speed of execution which the space currently requires. So Snowflake offers, instead of having lots of different data silos or capacity-restricted or specific formats, anything at all, which blocks the user from being able to use the data agilely. Snowflake proposes a single globally distributed platform onto which you can store all of your data. And all in Snowflake's case really means all. Not only structured data, um, like tabulated data, but also semi-structured data or unstructured data like documents. And it also allows the users to bring any kind of workflow at all to this data. But ultimately, When you ask most analysts the kind of data they use, yeah, some of it is generated within their own team or within their own business, but they often have to share or acquire data from other sources. And this is especially true in financial services. And Snowflake right now offers a single pane of glass for the data user to be able to work on their own data, on their organization's data, but also market data and third-party data that they may wish to acquire in order to complete the projects they're working on. Maybe coming back to, to, to your initial um, or 
one of your first introductions on non-snowflake. So how does your platform actually differentiate from the common data platforms we know from the hyperscalers? So thinking here about Azure Data Factory or the, or the, the GCP data services, what would you say is your key differentiator for clients? What I do think is that Snowflake sits at a really unique position of intersecting requirements that maybe only appear under certain conditions, but gradually the market is coming around to how important those conditions are to satisfy when you're interested in collaboration and uh, scale. So, you know, if the Snowflake buyer typically looks at a set of requirements, I, I can walk you through what the typical thought process looks like or, you know, the criteria that different users have taken when they've selected Snowflake. And the big one, first and foremost, is if, if you're, if you have a cloud strategy and you're looking to enable that cloud strategy, is multi-cloud of strategic importance to you? So, you know, we see, we see many folks who get started on a specific region or on a specific cloud provider. And it's very easy to consume, like you say, the services provided by that one provider. But over time, what you come to realize is that different people will take different decisions. So in large enterprises, it's pretty common to be deployed on multiple clouds. But also, if you're in a smaller enterprise, you want to acquire data from users who made slightly different decisions from yours. So multi-cloud is of critical importance in order to balance and make flexible those experiences. Financially, multi-cloud tends to be very important because you will probably end up spending a lot on the different cloud providers. And Snowflake is a balancing capability. But lastly, and I think, you know, more importantly, than any of the others put together is the regulatory perspective requires a disaster recovery plan for mission critical services. And that involves multi-region capabilities. And also, if you want to rely on business continuity, multi-cloud is absolutely mandatory. Folks that select Snowflake are looking for a service-based approach and above all, one that is easy to use and is based on consumption. You only pay for what you use. So how can I imagine the Snowflake product, so to say? Now, I understand you have quite some integration capabilities. Obviously, there has to be a data store or some area where where you manage all the data. You have a governance layer. Is there a, let's say, like a typical module structure that you would explain Snowflake along? So yes, yes and no. I mean, ultimately, what the way Snowflake is deployed it is as a cloud service. So really, what what you want is for all of the the technicalities around um, capacity and maintenance and so on to be baked into the service, and for the service itself to be as easy to use as other services that we know, like you know, uh, telecommunication services or electricity, and. From the user perspective, Snowflake should shine by its absence. So, yes, we use cloud storage, but what we do is we allow users to bring their own tools and their own perspectives to that data and offer them direct line of sight into how they're using the data itself. So, typically, the user will be able to maintain the same tools and workflows that they've worked on for the last few years. If you're an Excel user, you can connect Excel to Snowflake. If you're a BI tool user or a data science tool user, all of those tools have integration points with Snowflake. So you point those tools towards Snowflake as a platform and start working directly with your data. You you don't have a complex experience to actually use the service. You're simply using the tool itself and the tool will push down all of the operations you ask of it onto the Snowflake platform. So do I understand it correctly that Snowflake users would rather 
work with the UI of existing or of the other tools? Or is there a Snowflake user interface that, that people directly work on? Good question. And I think the key here is flexibility. Um, when you aspire to a Snowflake Buzz, you know, offer a single data, a single source of truth to thousands of different users, it is basically impossible to satisfy the needs and requirements of such a large user base globally. So typically Snowflake obviously does have a UI. So it has a UI with which you can launch queries, work with your data, build out your pipeline, and also visualize that data in terms of you know charts, but also data applications that offer real controls. But what we find is that you can't, you know, design one tool or one UI that fits all purposes. So within the financial services community, some users will be more interested in reporting, for example, including regulatory reporting. Others are more interested in dashboards. Others want risk management and predictive capabilities. And others are invested in tools they have already. And what they're looking for is for Snowflake to augment the experience that they have today. They're not looking to switch tools. And as a user, I've always thought it was crazy in the last few decades where Depending on the tool you wanted to use, you would have to change a platform or vice versa. If you wanted data that was on a specific platform, you had to completely throw away your existing skill set and user base and tooling, and you had to fit in with the platform. So the data cloud brings to life this idea that the data should be independent of the tool and it should be independent of the underlying infrastructure. You can use it from any tool. You can use it directly using its built-in capabilities, but you can also get a certain amount of flexibility as to which cloud your data sits on and how it's used. Oh, sounds really interesting. Um, maybe talking about your product roadmap in general, um, based on, on the user needs, how did your product and service offering evolve over the years? So what's, what has been the roadmap and, and what will be the, the future modules you offer here? That's a great question. You know, Snowflake, when the company was founded, they were ultimately looking to build a data platform that could operate at cloud scale. So they were looking at the cloud region and the cloud CSPs as a toolkit with which you could build a global connected data platform. And that's what they set out to do first. You know, they started from the user experience. What would the platform look like if I wanted to have all of my data on a single pane of glass? And they built down from that. So this, it, it's a big job. It's difficult. And that was the way we originally brought Snowflake to market in 2015, you know, as, as a data warehouse, somewhere you could put the data and it would play a part within a larger data architecture. But over time, it became more and more apparent that the users were actually using Snowflake for more than just the warehouse. You know, they were using Snowflake in order to build data lakes with this separation of storage and compute. They were also doing data engineering, data science workloads were all being built on top of Snowflake. So little by little, Snowflake became so much more than just one component of the architecture. But instead, it became this entire platform that you could host. But something very interesting was actually happening with Snowflake in parallel. So not only was the platform evolving to become more things to more people, but there was this increasing sense that collaboration was key. And especially in an industry like ours, we were seeing more and more companies that were looking to share data, not only between the different user groups, but even between enterprises themselves, basically. So that was where the original data warehouse transformed into a data platform and from there to a data cloud where the content 
and the capabilities were more than the whole and the platform capabilities were there in order to provide this experience um, between different user groups. And that's where we are today. You know, that evolution from a warehouse, just one component or one use case into multiple components that support the entire lifecycle. And from there, this use of data and from there into application development and application sharing itself on Snowflake. That I think has been the lifecycle of the company over the last 10 years. Speaking of the data cloud, um, one thing that I had to immediately think of uh, was the term data marketplace. Um, probably you've, you've heard that as well. Would you describe the data cloud that Snowflake is right now as a data marketplace? And maybe you can also talk a bit about the challenges related to it, because I can imagine that, well, sharing data between enterprises is, first of all, something not every uh, enterprise wants to do. And maybe, especially in financial services, also something where there are quite some yeah, aspects to consider uh, when it comes to data privacy, for example. Of course. And that is exactly the way we approach this. Um, you know, originally there was even years ago, there was even some doubt, is the cloud ready? Can the cloud host uh, regulatory requirements and so on? So like you said, I think data sharing has different expressions. So, you know, when you come to collaboration, a marketplace does suggest a very public open experience. And that's what Snowflake provides for data, but also moving forward for the applications themselves. So the marketplace, I think, is a one-to-many experience that allows you to showcase what kind of data products you're building, what kind of applications you have available, and ultimately list those products that you've built in a global marketplace that users can then very easily have a self-service experience. And apart from listing, you have all of the governance capabilities around that, examples of how to use it and so on. So This is really useful for data providers that are looking to reach a global audience and a very public audience. Now, as you said, this is not the case for every user. And what we also there have is what we call direct shares or private exchanges. And these are ways to share data without being exposed to a global marketplace. Instead, the data provider keeps the control over exactly how data is shared and with whom. And you can do that by either sharing directly with another party or with a small group of interested parties that are maybe working on the same project and they all have data onto the same exchange. So these are different ways to share data, but they all fit within the same secure regulated space. So ultimately, it's the provider and consumer's private arrangement in terms of how they want to share data, how they wish to monetize that. But the underpinnings, the technological underpinnings are actually the same across the board. The difference is how you control access and how private that access is. Thank you for the explanation. Uh, that made it much clearer to me. Well, this really helped you to understand the, the offering you have. And since we already touched the topic of what are typical use cases, do you see yourself rather as a platform for fintechs or incumbent banks? And what are prominent reference clients, which which might be interesting for our listeners here? That's an interesting question. It presupposes, you know, that uh, that it's an either-or question, and I think that has been true of technologies over the last few decades. So many technologies required, you know, such a massive capital investment upfront that it's true that they tend to correlate more with enterprise size. But I wouldn't say that's true of Snowflake itself. Um, Snowflake was designed to be a pay-as-you-go 
So different types of enterprise or different types of user group can use Snowflake for exactly what they need it to do. But like you said, a fintech is not the same as an established global bank. So different user groups will find different things that they find attractive of Snowflake's offering itself. So for example, if you're a large global bank, some of the things that you're most interested in on Snowflake is regulatory compliance. Um, you absolutely need to accelerate those processes and to be innovative within a space where you're uh, probably already reporting to multiple regulators worldwide. So everything that Snowflake provides that allows that fast compliance is is extremely interesting. But large enterprises also have to scale to support thousands of different users distributed globally. So Snowflake's abilities to be self-service, but also to control granular cost in each user group, only pay for what they're really using is is kind of critical. So typically, uh, like you alluded to in the past, people would buy fixed capacity, make a specific investment upfront. And the challenge you have there is that either you're paying too much and you have spare capacity or you're paying too little and you have to keep kicking users and workloads off the system. So Snowflake really allows large enterprises to fix their cost with what's really being used. And that's also something that when you look at thousands of users on the same data set and on the same system, um, it really is really important. But fintechs and smaller users also find a lot to like in Snowflake. So Agility, I think, and innovation are important to both types of company. But for fintech, it's an existential question. You need to move quickly. And this is literally the difference between existing or not existing as a business. And you also need to control that burn rate. So what a fintech or a startup or a disruptor finds in Snowflake is this ability to focus on the mission that they have at hand. So instead of having to configure software and instead of having to build out all of these capabilities to attach to things like configuration or different security requirements and so on, what they found is a service that is ready to use within a regulated space and it allows a fintech to focus exactly on on the business itself. That said, it also allows them to pivot very quickly. Um, we were in touch with a quant research team at a hedge fund recently where one of the key use cases of Snowflake is to pull in petabyte scale data, lots of new types of data and data sources, but they need to iterate quickly. So not all of the data might be useful. You know, lots of research ultimately fails or points the way towards a very specific path to success, but you can discard other attempts that didn't work out so well. And this is what a smaller fintech loves about Snowflake, the ability to iterate quickly over an idea, come up with a hypothesis, run that hypothesis at practically unlimited capacity, but also to scale that capacity down when you no longer need it and just keep what was the winning strategy overall. So, you know, I think different user groups find different things of interest in Snowflake, but I don't think it depends at all on enterprise size. And it probably depends a lot more on what you're interested in, in terms of innovation, agility, that kind of thing. If you look um, on Snowflake's website, you can find public references for some of the largest institutions, some of the largest banks, insurers, sovereign wealth funds, and so on. Um, but you can also find, you know, disruptors that got started um, small and then grew their Snowflake usage. Um, so Wise is up there, Block is up there. We have lots of users around the blockchain space. But actually, I would say you can find some of the real innovation as well in, you know, in the collaboration of the industry as a whole. So we have lots of users that are, are using Snowflake, sometimes not even 
in the front end of the apps themselves. Um, but we, in the fintech space, what we see worldwide, you know, lots of users are adapting, you know, providing a very crisp user experience, very digital experience for a specific market segment and providing lots of value added services on top of that. But many of these applications are also using Snowflake in the back end and using the services that are provided by large financial institutions like custodial services, treasury services, and so on. And then the actual user experience in the front end of the bank, um, the front office is being run by uh, the bank users themselves. But the, the back office is also being hosted on Snowflake. And this is what you see in, you know, some of the other institutions around around Europe. Um, Saxo Bank, for example, is using Snowflake and they provide white label services um, of their investment platform to hundreds of institutions worldwide. So there's a lot of Snowflake out there, whether you're in a fintech, you know, providing both the core services and also the disruptive app, or whether you're just focused on the app itself and on a specific segment, you're probably using Snowflake on the back end. So as a field CTO, I imagine that you get to see quite a lot of interesting client situations. Can you maybe tell us about one of your most interesting or most challenging situations that you tackled with Snowflake? Yeah, uh, so th there are, you know, a great many um, use cases, like you say, that folks are deploying. Some of them are all about, you know, migration and cost efficiency. But we are seeing, I think, patterns of data usage that have never been seen in the past and I think uh, guide us towards what the future looks like. So, And these are the ones that I do have a, a specific enthusiasm for because I think these are brand new data usage patterns that have never been seen before. And one, for example, is Citibank. Uh, they're not the only ones doing it. You know, it's a, it's a it's a family of users that have come to the same conclusion. But if you look at things like payments or settlements or buying a security, for the user, that's a process that just takes a few seconds. But typically, it launches um, a massive amount of signaling between the different financial service elements. So I put the request in, that request goes to the broker, which then transmits it to uh, the different custodians and so on. So you've got a process that involves seven different institutions and takes around two days to settle. And the two days for uh, to settle something that for the user or the buyer uh, of something in a shop um, that takes only seconds, it makes no sense. And what the city and other teams realized was that ultimately this kind of settlement or clearance is just a comparison of two different ledgers and all of the rest is signaling and, and complexity, but you don't really need that. So what we are seeing is between institutions and counterparties, this ability to share a very private view of the data of a Snowflake and allow the users to literally just compare two books in order to provide a real-time service. So each party knows exactly what the other party is registering in real time rather than over a period of two days. But it's happening within a data space that you can also bring compute to and advanced tooling on. So you can predict and look at potential disputes that are incoming and provision for those ahead of schedule. Um, and this is really interesting to me because this is the kind of capability that in the past has required data transmission. The data has always been slightly out of date. It's introduced security problems to the receiver of the data. And more and more institutions are just coming around to the idea that it's easier to share the data, but not move it. And both sides can simply access the other party's data in order to provide a resolution. That one to me around settlement and clearance is pretty interesting. Yeah, that does sound like a super innovative use case. 
Pretty much. Um, we had one, uh, you know, someone approached us at an event and they said, you know, if you're working with this supplier and this other one, I will buy Snowflake. <laughs> Bl- blindfold. You know, it says settlement is an absolute headache. Um, we have disputes every single month and I'm looking for a technology that can basically give us a faster picture of what's going to happen next and one that we can also bring predictive capabilities for. So we need to know how to staff it our end. Time is money, especially in financial services. Yes. And actually, that brings, you know, another of, of the use cases that I, I think is really exciting. Um, you know, in the past, you've had, you've had two very separate spaces. One is the application space and the other has been the data space. And this was led by BlackRock with Aladdin. But again, it's a family of use cases. Um, other providers have come to the same conclusion that ultimately when you have petabytes of data under management, you can't provision each and every one of the apps you use with that scale of data. You know, if you're looking, if you're a fintech and you're looking for agility and you have Salesforce and you have a portfolio service, you can't keep provisioning each of these tools with a petabyte of data under management, basically. So one of the interesting things that these application providers discovered was it was easier for them to offer a connector to Snowflake that was bidirectional. And instead of forcing the users to have a lengthy process or having to unload the application data or perhaps provision each and every one of the applications, what they're doing right now is what you might see online is called powered by Snowflake. So this is a capability where an application is acting as a connected app rather than an isolated app. You're bringing applications like Salesforce or like the portfolio management or the the asset management or quant research applications Basically, these applications now have their own data that you might be interested in, market data, pricing, and so on. But they're also enabling you to enrich that with data from other applications and other sources without having to move the data. Everyone is connecting to Snowflake as the underlying platform. And this means you can both use the application in a much richer way with more data sets than the application provides alone, or run processes using your own tools in your own environment on top of that application data without having to move data. So this is what we call the connected app. And this is a really exciting development as well, where you really need to have this common layer in order to provide this connectivity. And this is what the data cloud is bringing right now. Looking a little bit more into the future, what would you see? Or if I now ask you, what's the next big thing we will hear from Snowflake? Can you give us a one minute pitch about it? Sure. Um, So really Snowflake, Uh, on the platform side, it will continue to evolve platform capabilities that are required for the tooling. So this is all about data access, including um, all of the governance capabilities around automatic data classification, transactional capabilities, and so on. All of this is something that Snowflake will continue to develop to be able to host more and more applications and accelerate the speed with which users can access uh, data directly without having to go through a complex transformation process. The other aspect that I'm really excited about is applications itself. So what we've seen is an increasing interest in machine learning from our users. And right now, Snowflake has put Python usage into Jira and is offering warehouses that are specifically suited to machine learning model trading. So that is a community around machine learning um, that we're really excited to onboard. And we have some users already building spectacular models on top of Snowflake, bringing up lots and lots of fast iterations of different kinds of modeling in order to really accelerate that time to market and the research value. So machine learning and automation and that kind of simulation is extremely important to Snowflake. 
And the last one is the applications. So once you have the model, you want to deliver it. And you might not also always want to deliver it as data or as a bare model, but as an application that people can use. So this is where you see online the acquisition of Streamless and Snowflake's native app capability, where, as you mentioned in the past, you know, it's not only a data marketplace moving forward. The idea is that the entire user experience can be realized within Snowflake's perimeter. And that includes hosting the output, hosting the applications so that you don't then have to pull those applications onto a separate platform, integrate that platform, secure the perimeter and so on. These are capabilities that the users have been asking for for some time. And we think the time is ready right now. You know, now that the platform capabilities are solid to build beyond that into sharing applications and sharing machine learning and automation globally across all of the user group. So where do you think this will lead us to, let's say, looking 10 years ahead in the future? Where will the financial services industry stand? Um, 10 years is quite a projection. Um, <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, given recent events and headlines um, over the last three years, uh, you know, you, you would be cautious to make any kind of projection at all. Um, but I think... Beyond, you know, the recent events around the, the pandemic and geopolitics and central bank movement and so on, I do think you see trends that can be reliably projected over the next 10 years. And I, and I think these are trends that are multi-decade and we are probably closer to the beginning of these journeys than to the end. So, you know, one of these is this idea of openness of the financial sector in general. Um, and we see the structure of the financial sector changing. You know, in moments like 2008, where different regulatory requirements were brought in in order to make the system more transparent, more reliable, more resilient, and ultimately more open so that different market participants would have a good idea of how the system works itself. And this really has led to tremendous disruption. And I think this kind of change and this kind of opportunity for new market participants to join the market and participate in a more open and collaborative financial sector, I think this is a trend that we will only see more of. Um, so obviously, cloud is of specific importance to Snowflake. And it's not only Snowflake that sees this as a trend. Um, you know, if, if you look at different systemic risk managers, they're looking at concentration risk in cloud and how to manage uh, the reality is that lots and lots of of user groups and lots and lots of, of enterprises will be deploying their entire business in the cloud. But the cloud alone is not the technological shift. It, it's one, but we also think that AI ML will be a key part of the next 10 years. So I think that's a trend that we are seeing the start of right now, um, but have no reason to believe that won't intensify over the next 10 years. And it will be interesting to see how that plays out in the financial space specifically. And the last technological innovation, I think, is the blockchain. In some way, shape or form, um, we've seen a lot of movement around the payment systems. You know, we, we mentioned WISE, we mentioned Block. We've seen lots of the disruptions over the last few years, kind of the payment system has been brought up again and again. And I think it's anyone's guess as to how much of the blockchain is uh, actually used and in which way, but it's pretty likely that the payment system will evolve. I think um, payments and cloud and ML is going to be a key part of the future. And I would also focus on the regulatory requirements. I mean, the EU specifically, which is where um, I live and work, is accompanying this technological adaption um, and usage with specific regulation. So it's always a balance. And I think most institutions are probably looking at what's the best way to use that technology, but also balance the regulatory requirements that use of that technology has. And ultimately, the goal is to provide a crisp user experience. 
ultimately what makes or breaks the industry is whether or not it evolves to provide a crisp digital experience to a new generation of service users. And I think, you know, service users today have many more options than they did years ago. And this is a trend that I think will only evolve. Um, and I'm seeing it on a daily basis in the applications I use, in the services I use. We are basically seeing and will continue to see over the next decade a shift to focus on the banking users themselves in a way that all, you know, all activities should be focused on the user experience. Folks that have a lot of options and are looking for a crisp digital experience that requires a very different relationship and applications focusing on that kind of customer than you might have had 10 years ago. And I think in the marketplace, you know, long term, we will see lots of options there, lots of openness and lots of different possibilities for a discerning customer. Well said. Well, thank you very much for the outlook. And looking at the time, we're already at the end of this episode. I want to thank you very much for explaining Snowflake. I think I've got quite a good understanding now of what you're offering, especially with the exciting customer stories. And I'm super excited to hear more about the future or <laughs> the, the presence of data sharing and the disruptive use cases that it can offer. So very much looking forward to hearing more from you and Snowflake. Thank you. Um, there is a lot of information out there, you know, so anyone who wants to get started with a direct experience of what it might be like to use Snowflake, they can visit snowflake.com. And we also have webinars and a lot of materials there for anyone who's looking forward to get started. But I too hope that we speak again and that these are the first words in a more long running conversation. Can only second that. Thank you very much for joining us today, Antonio. My pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You've been listening to the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. BCG Platinian, your experts on IT strategy, modern technology architecture, and state-of-the-art banking. The digital future is now. For more information, check bcgplatinian.com. <laughs>